focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. Today, joining us in the studio, we have our reporters, Lee Ji-young and Yoon Se-young. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. So, <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> for our listeners who are tuning in from radio and not on our live YouTube streaming, uh, Se-young has an uh, eye patch. And, uh, Excuse me, guys, just ignore it. She's a trooper is what she is. She is a soldier. She's, uh, you know... Despite the fact that she only has one eye that she can use, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You are a trooper. We do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we're going to start things off, of course, with... Uh, that's right. I also have to mention, I forgot. Thank you, producer. ji has was in the emergency room. Really? This morning? This morning? She's got an yes, eye problem. <laughs> yes. You Ji-young. have a cold. I have a yes, cold. ji <laughs> went to the emergency room. Yeah. A hot mess up in Everyone's here. sick today. This is, this is emergency room now is what's happening right now. I hope everyone else is uh, feeling okay. Uh, guys, we're going to talk about uh, really arguably a very very controversial agreement to pay the compensation to the victims of forced labor. Uh, we know, we've been talking about this for months now. Uh, the South Korean government has made the final decision that they felt was fair and square, uh, according to them, uh, for not just the victims, but also all the parties involved as well. Uh, President Yoon Se-gyeol, in response to this, said that the plan was in respect to the positions of the victims while also contributing to the common interest and future development of both Korea and Japan. Uh, Jiang, start us off. Uh, tell us more about this. Uh, sure. Now, uh, in a speech at the cabinet meeting held in the presidential office in Yongsan on Tuesday morning today, uh, President Yoon said that the two countries can move on and ensure future-oriented cooperation for the freedom, peace, and prosperity of the world. Now, President Yoon also urged cabinet members to um, meticulously prepare and support measures to establish a cooperation system between the ministries of both governments for future orientation, uh, oriented cooperation between the two countries. Now, he also mentioned that the government will take continuous efforts to provide relief to the victims of forced labor, saying that in 1974, a special law was acted here in South Korea and that the South Korean government compensated a total of 92 billion won, equivalent to 9.7% of the claimed amount of $3 billion for 83,519 claims that were submitted to the government at that time. And also in 2007, another special law was enacted and the government compensated approximately 650 billion won for over 78,000 people. Now, he went on to emphasize uh, recalling the March 1st independent movement that Japan, uh, who was once an aggressor 
in the past is now a partner who shares universal values with South Korea in terms of national security, the economy, science and technology, and also other global issues. Now, Yoon also emphasized the importance of economic ties between the two countries, stating that Japan accounts for 6 to 7 percent of South Korea's total trade volume and that Japan's direct investment in South Korean company exceeds 22 percent of all foreign investment. So he's pretty much saying that uh, we can all move on and create a, a, a partnership since Japan is a in his word, a partner of South Korea. Well, some people may argue that uh, even despite the fact that if it is true, indeed, that both South Korea and Japan share the universal values of national security, the economy, science and technology and other global issues, I think we can certainly agree that uh, when it comes to history, they don't share the same idea of how things panned out. Uh, this including, of course, the Tokto issue, which also comes up on an mm -hmm. annual basis here. But Let's talk about this compensation plan here. Under the plan, uh, direct compensation from Japanese firms will not be required. This is a big thing, right? So mm -hmm. by the Japanese side saying, we're not going to compensate the victims, that's literally saying, well, we're not going to accept the fact that there was any wrongdoing, and we are not going to accept the fact that, uh, accept the past history. And this also means that this there is no apology coming mm -hmm. from the firms as well. This certainly sparked a huge protest in Seoul with victims and opposition groups accusing the government of capitulating to Tokyo. So it's safe to say that the opposition party is going to strong, going strong to protest the new uh, compensation deal. But Jiang, can you tell us exactly how the main opposition party responded to all this? Uh, sure. Now, the T uh, Democratic Party is, of course, certainly not happy, happy, and they're fighting the government's deal with Japan to compensate for the damages suffered by victims of forced labor during the Japanese colonial period. And the Democratic Party's lawmaker, Kim Sung-hwan, said that one of the victims of forced labor, of the forced labor, Yang Geum-dok, called President Yoon a Japanese person because he is working, in her words, uh, he is working for Japan's interest instead of the victims. And she continued on to say that even the whole nation is asking which country President Yoon is actually from. Now, Kim also said that reversing the Supreme Court ruling clearly states the illegality of colonial rule and the compensation for all of the offenses committed by uh, Japanese companies and having a third party pay compensation is a clear violation and claim that history will tell that this government is a pro-Japanese administration. Now, Kim also expressed concern saying that if this is a step for the government to isolate China while participating in the Korea-U.S.-Japan military alliance, then they must consider that it will create a new Cold War era, which will escalate tensions in the region in the long run. And also, there was criticism that this is a deja vu from the Park Geun-hye's administration when the government signed an agreement on sex slaves that were taken by the Japanese military in World War II. Uh, this agreement was signed in 2015 and this also received strong criticism at that time and many say that this was one of the first moves or first pushback from the people that actually uh, started uh, of, of kind of saying hey questioning her leadership and 
kind of was the spark that kind of like pulled the camels back for her impeachment. Right, exactly. And at the same time, a lot of people are saying that probably that uh, the UN administration may have learned a bit Mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. 2015 exactly. Comfort Women deal mm-hmm. that they were probably not going to find that path. And it kind of seemed that way, right? Because he came out and said, listen, we're going to try to find the deal that's also going to be in respects to the victims, mm-hmm. right? And that was like the main thing. It didn't mean, it matter how much it was uh, as long as there was a proper apology in place. And that's the big thing is that there is no proper apology. Exactly. Because naturally so, if the Japanese side is not getting involved with this mm-hmm. naturally, that's like saying, then it's the Korean side that's doing all this. Is the Korean side apologizing to the victims for what? And you would have thought that they might have learned from that very controversial 2015 deal. And it's, like you said, it's deja vu once again. And so what happens later on if there is a new administration and the new administration happens to be a liberal administration? Exactly. And so, again, they're going to try to probably scrap this Mm -hmm. and then it's going to be... All over, deja vu all over again, and as they say. And it's just going to give momentum to Japanese again saying, hey, look, Korea, you didn't f- uh, follow the agreement that you uh, signed. Right. And right. it just puts gives us less less momentum when we're at the negotiating ta- negotiation table with Japan. So yeah, it just makes us look bad in the wrong line. And in, the in, biggest victims of all of this is going victims. to be the victims. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so exactly. there, again, it's a slap in the face once again. And so mm-hmm. Kim Sang-an also makes a very good point. And so if you're also isolating China and knowing that China is a huge part of Korean economy. Mm-hmm. And so if they do, in the, and I've always said this, I think it's a good thing that uh, you know, improving ties with Japan is a good thing mm-hmm. because there's so much to gain uh, economically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it bigger than what you have with China is mm-hmm. the big question. And so by isolating China uh, and gaining maybe Japan's uh, trade partnership once again, is it going to level things out? I don't know. Nevertheless, with Monday's announcement, we are seeing a happier Japan, which also means that there's going to be potential talks. Yoon Sagyar likely to hold series of talks with his U.S. and Japanese counterparts in the first first half of the year. Now, the trilateral cooperation among these three countries has been the top priority of the Yoon administration since he took office. So, Seung, uh, tell us more about this. Right. With Monday's announcement, which says that South Korean government foundation will compensate Korean victims of forced labor under Japan's colonization, Yoon Seung-yeol administration expects Seoul-Tokyo relations to improve at a rapid pace. Now, for President Yoon, historical dispute is no longer a difficult task for the government to resolve, and he's likely, highly likely to focus on strengthening the Seoul-Washington-Tokyo trilateral cooperation, which he emphasized from the beginning of his administration uh, through a series of talks with its U.S. and Japanese counterparts. The date for the talks between Yoon and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is likely to be set within this month. And according to the presidential office, Yoon is expected to visit Japan this month for talks with Kishida. And Japanese media also reported the possibility of President Yoon's visit to Japan on the 16th and 17th of this month. But details on the summit have not been discussed yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on the situation. Yeah, so um, they've said, I mean, there was a number of summits that hasn't taken place in a really long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's also the Seoul-Beijing summit, where for a number of years there were talks about Xi Jinping coming to Korea. Uh, But many pundits were saying that unless South Korea uh, resolves the issue with THAAD, 
that there's probably highly unlikely that Xi Jinping would uh, hold any kind of talks with a South Korean leader. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of the same way with uh, Kushida as well, is unless they resolve the uh, forced labor issue, mm-hmm. that there would be no substantive summits taking place. And also interesting uh, to note that it's President Yoon going to Japan and not Fumio Kushida coming to Seoul, uh, which there's also some political uh, messages on that. President Yoon also scheduled to uh, make a visit to U.S. late next month, marking the 70th anniversary of the Korea-U.S. alliance. Uh, reports are saying that there's a high possibility that the summit between Yoon and Biden will take place today again. Seung, uh, tell us more on this. Right. Kim Sung-han, head of the National Security Office, are now in Washington to discuss the date, format, and agenda of the summit between President Yoon and President Biden with his counterparts. Well, last month in February, when South Korean diplomatic source said Seoul and Washington were in talks over a possible state visit to Washington by President Yoon in the first half of the year, U.S. President Office took a very cautious stance, saying nothing has been decided yet. However, things have changed now, and the U.S. has hoped South Korea and Japan would resolve historical issue between two countries. So three of them, U.S., Japan, and South Korea, will be able to work together to strengthen a security alliance and check China and North Korea at the same time. And for that reason, Monday's announcement was a very pleasant news for Washington because... For the U.S. side, the obstacle that made it difficult for the three countries to cooperate has been removed. And we can see that from Biden's remark. President Biden hailed the groundbreaking South Korean plan to compensate victims of Japan's forced labor. And that reflects the U.S. position, which also raises the possibility of bilateral meeting between Yoon and Biden or even a state visit to Washington by President Yoon song yeol on top of that, the leaders of three countries, South Korea, the U.S., and Japan, are likely to gather together at the G7 summit in Hiroshima, Japan, in May. South Korea, which is not a member of the G7, can attend as a guest country, just like it did during previous administration. And it's true that it's important to attend such summit for diplomatic achievements and national interests. But on the other hand, some criticize that the South Korean government announced a solution to hastily to mend freight ties with Japan and to be invited to G7 summit. Right, because previously uh, the former uh, Moon administration, Japan was always very much because mm-hmm. there are talks about expanding the G7, right, and then right. The, uh, expand it so that you know South Korea will eventually be included in as well. And Japan was like, no way, Jose. Uh, we're going to be the only country, and we're going to call it G7. And uh, it's always the host country that invites different countries. And we knew that if it was going to be another liberal uh, administration in 2023, that there's no way that South Korea was going to get invited. But obviously, with bilateral uh, ties improving greatly under the UN administration, that uh, South Korea, of course, would be invited to the G7 uh, summit there. Um, Japan is not the only country very happy with the solutions made by the South Korean government. The United States has also expressed support for South Korea's proposal to address this long-disputed issue of uh, compensating the Korean victims of Japan's wartime labor. Uh, Jiang, tell us more about uh, Washington's side here. 
Sure. Now, on Monday, U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price announced that uh, the U.S. is pleased that South Korea and Japan have concluded their bilateral discussions to address historical issues. Now, Price praised the leadership of South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida for their bold vision in making decisions on historic resolutions and said that the U.S. has a strong relationship with both countries and seeks to deepen the trilateral partnership for a free and open Indo-Pacific. Now, the U.S. State Department spokesperson also spoke about the importance of trilateral cooperations in terms of the challenges that are posed by North Korea. Now, while the plan to establish a private fund to compensate Korean victims has been welcomed by the United States, it also has been met with criticism, as we spoke. Now, with some calling, uh, some victims calling for a formal apology from japan now when asked if what uh the u.s think uh, if whether the u.s thinks that japan owes the victims an apology price uh told reporters that the issue of history are quite difficult and complicated and any apology is ultimately up to the two countries to decide but he stated that the u.s will play a supportive role to its treaty allies in the meantime, uh, Ministry of National Defense announcing on Tuesday they will be reviewing various ways to strengthen security cooperation between Korea-U.S. and Korea-Japan. Uh, this, of course, in connection with the government's announcement made on Monday. Uh, Seung, you have more on this. Yes, um, the Ministry of National Defense is also expected to focus on trilateral security cooperation with the U.S. and Japan in line with the government. Um, asked about the prospects of resolving pending defense issues between two countries after the government announced a solution to forced labor, Defense Ministry spokesman Ton ha said at a regular briefing, the Ministry of National Defense will also review all aspects to strengthen security cooperation between South Korea U.S. and South Korea Japan. However, here is another issue that needs to be resolved first to move forward and uh, develop Seoul-Tokyo Security Alliance, which is a dispute over a South Korean destroyer's alleged later lock on a Japanese petrol plane back in 2018. In 2018, Japan accused a South Korean warship of having targeted its maritime self-defense forces petrol aircraft. But Seoul strongly rejected that claim and said the Japanese aircraft continuously made a threatening low-altitude flight over South Korean Navy's Kwangge to the Great, while the South Korea was participating in the rescue operation for a distressed North Korean fishing boat. And certainly, I guess, Japan, uh, they can certainly overlook this issue now that uh, we have this compensation solution put in place. Uh, but since then, the dispute remained unchanged, uh, and the South Korean Defense Ministry on Tuesday expressed its stance on the issue as well. Right. Um, regarding this unresolved issue between Korea and Japan, a South Korean Defense Ministry drew a clear line and said, the issue related to the petrol plane has nothing to do with the issue of forced labor, and this has not changed the South Korean military stance regarding this dispute, and it is necessary to find a desirable solution for it as well in the future. 
There has been actually a dialogue between the two countries regarding this dispute. Um, in September last year, after the vice defense minister's meeting in Seoul, uh, Vice Defense Minister Shin Bum Chul said the two sides agreed that the petrol plane incident needs to be resolved for cooperation and development between the two defense ministries, and both sides decided to further discuss the matter at the working level. So discussions are expected to continue because it needs to be resolved in order to strengthen security cooperation between two countries. But we have to make it clear that the solution should not reflect only one side's position. And we have to remember um, it's a separate issue from any other pending disputes between the two countries. That's right. Now we're going to continue to talk about uh, the international response to South Korean government's uh, decision to propose a, so- a solution. This time, the UN and the EU expressing their support. Ji Young, let's get the details of this. Uh, sure. Uh, in a brief statement released on Monday, the EU spokesperson from the European External Active Services, also known as EEAS, said that the EU welcomed the important measure announced by South Korea today as part of efforts to improve bilateral relations between South Korea and Japan and build a future-oriented relationship. Now, the statement went on to say that Korea and Japan are both very important and strategic partner countries for the European Union and emphasized the close cooperation between South Korea and Japan and also the importance of their relationship uh, for promoting a free and open Indo-Pacific region based on international norms. Now, UN Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres also welcomed the recent positive exchange and future-oriented dialogue between South Korea and Japan. And in an interview with Voice of America uh, on the same day, Guterres said that he encourages both sides to find a comprehensive solution to the bilateral dispute based on internationally recognized principles. But uh, when it came to China, uh, China sang a different tune. Uh, As another country that was invaded by Japan during, during colonial rule, China called on Japan to reflect on history, show some respect for the victims, and take appropriate measures to handle historical issues related to forced labor during the colonial period. Now, the Chinese foreign minister, a ministry spokesperson stated that forced labor and slave labor were serious crimes committed by the Japanese militaries and companies during its aggression and colonial rule in Asian countries, including China and Korea. Now, the spokesperson emphasized that the Japanese government must face history squarely, uh, reflect deeply on history, and show some repentance and respect for victims through actual actions and educate future generations with the correct historical view in order to gain the trust from its Asian neighbors and also the international community. You know, I have to say, I I saw the uh, there was an English uh, trans of this uh, presser by uh, Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, uh, not a lot of times where I, when I was listening to or I listened to a lot of these news feeds from Mao Ning and I go, wow, you praise it, girl. And this is one of the few <laughs> times. And I was like, well-spoken. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the trend. I, I love the fact that she mentioned how they need to properly educate future generations because, mm-hmm. as you know, uh, Japan is... 
another country where their uh, government-backed textbooks uh, mm-hmm. really distort the history. Uh, Elisha Fisher on our live YouTube says, in regards to the, the whole military defense uh, issue there, so we're bringing up old gripes to avoid apologizing, it seems. Well, it certainly does seem like that. We're going to move on because despite the fact that there are certainly improved bilateral ties between Seoul and Tokyo, there are other issues uh, that South Korea can't be on the same page with. Vice Foreign Minister Lee Do-hun, uh, who's currently visiting Austria, attended a meeting of the International Atomic Energy uh, Energy Agency's uh, Board of Governors on Monday. A call for Japan's responsible response to the discharge of contaminated water from Japan's Fukushima nuclear power plant. Taehyung, you have more on this. Unfortunately, another issue that threatened the trust-based relationship between South Korea and Japan. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs said on Tuesday that Minister Lee, who is in Vienna, Austria, expressed South Korean government's firm stance at the International Atomic Energy Agency's board meeting held on Monday local time and made it clear that Japan's Fukushima nuclear contaminated water should be treated safely and objectively in accordance with international laws and international standards. The International Atomic Energy Agency's board meeting is held five times a year on behalf of the General Assembly to discuss and determine the practical policies of the agency. And Vice Minister Yi also asked the IAEA to release a comprehensive report, including the monitoring result of Japan's plan to release contaminated water and stress the need for exports and research institutes from interested countries such as South Korea, to continue to participate in the safety verification efforts to enhance transparency in IAEA activities. Uh, Moving on here, Vice Minister Yi also having met with IAEA members uh, who recently visited Japan to conduct the organization's mission in Japan. So what do we have on that front? Right. Um, Vice Minister Yi also met with Gustavo Caruso, head of the International Atomic Energy Agency's monitoring task force, who has been to Japan four times so far to verify the safety of Fukushima contaminated water discharge and discuss the future verification plans for IAEA. Yi also visited a research institute under the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is analyzing contaminated water components treated with the multinuclide removal facilities and asked for the results of the analysis to be released as soon as possible. Despite serious concerns from the neighboring countries, the Japanese government announced in April 2021 that it would release more than a million tons of treated wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear plant into the sea from this spring before the contaminated water tanks in Fukushima become full, and it has never changed its position. And the International Atomic Energy Agency is cross-verifying contaminated water with several countries, but what's concerning is that the analysis process is some, um, in some laboratory is known to be somewhat delayed. And the agency said it would release a report on the analysis of contaminated water no later than the third quarter of the year. But uh, some say it will be too late if Japan begins to release the contaminated water before that. Yeah, I mean, because the plan right now is, I spring. believe, is springtime. And early mm-hmm. as this month is when they're planning to release it so it is certainly very late all right guys we're going to move on here let's talk money uh last year korea's gross in uh national income per capita decreased by almost eight percent uh which has made a turn to a decreasing trend in uh, two years due to the exchange rate between the one and dollar as you know the u.s dollar 
really strong against the Korean won. Uh, Chiyoung, can you give us the numbers and how much it has decreased? Uh, sure. Now, last year in 2022, the gross national income per capita was $32,661, which is a exact 7.7 decreased from the year before. And as you mentioned, one of the biggest reasons for this sharp decline is the one to dollar exchange rate that has uh, declined as well. Now, although the gross national uh, income per capita in one increased by 4.3 percent, the uh, income per um, national income per capita in dollars decreased significantly due to a 12.9 percent increase in the one to dollar exchange rate. Now, Korea's gross national income per capita exceeded $30,000 for the first time in 2017 and surpassed $33,000 in 2018. However, it declined for two consecutive years in 2019 and 2020. And although it rebounded after three years in 2021 due to economic recovery and a decrease in the $1 exchange rate, uh, it returned a declining declining trend in 2022 last year. Uh, however, the situation is expected to improve somewhat in 2023 this year as there are expectations that we would see a decrease in the $1 exchange rate. Let's move on and talk about domestic politics. Uh, this is getting quite interesting. The race to elect the Conservative People Power Party's new leader. Uh, this ends on this Tuesday. The automated response system, or the ARS, or the, the, the phone voting that you get, uh, this actually ended about uh, 31 minutes ago at 6 p.m. today. And as many expected, the voter turnout of the ruling party convention is likely to hit the highest. Uh, Seung, tell us more about this. Right. The turnout in mobile and phone vote for a People Power Party leadership is expected to hit record high. Voter turnout has already hit 52.13% as of 6 p.m. on Monday, which is already an all-time high, even higher than the record from 2021 party convention when former party leader Lee Jun-seok was elected. As you said, the ARS uh, phone voting is now completed and the final turnout is expected to rise to the mid to late 50 percent range. In, in response, each candidate, in each candidate uh, gave a differ, different assessment of this record turnout. Candidate Kim Gi-yeon, who is supported by the presidential office, called it a willingness to end internal conflict. And An Chul-su, who helped then-presidential candidate Yoon Song-yeol, elected as a president, but ended up having no clear role in the party, called it a willingness of the party members to end injustice or unfairness. Candidate Cho Naram, who is supported by former Representative Lee Jun-seok, also evaluated the fever as a desire to judge so-called Yoon Hae-kwan, key officials of President Yoon Song-yeol. Whatever the reason is right, the direction of the Conservative Party will completely change depending on who will be elected as the next leader of PPP. And the PPP plans to announce the winner in a national convention tomorrow. But in the event of a runoff vote, the party will announce the new leader on March 12th. So, I mean, the, the lead up to this has gotten very interesting, right? Mm. I mean, you had 
kind of started off with like uh, uh, Nagyeon Wan in the race and uh, in the race and then she was like in the lead at one point right and mm-hmm. then you know she decides to drop out because she's lost favor of the, the Yoon people mm-hmm. and then you would have expected that Kim Gi-hyun who was mm-hmm. greatly pushed by Yoon President, uh-huh. President Yoon uh, that he would get the overwhelming support uh, and uh, An Cheol Soo ended up kind of taking over. They were saying like it wasn't even Kim Gyeon who ended up leading and it was An Cheol Soo and then all of a right. sudden this gentleman by the name of Chan Aram comes out of nowhere and at one point he was kind of like the outsider, right? I mean this is like uh, Kim Gyeon to lose mm-hmm. and uh, he's now becoming a favorite uh, to kind of win this uh, PPP leadership race here but uh, hopefully we'll get the results of this because uh, both not just the PPP uh, but the DP is also watching greatly into this uh, deeply into this uh, leadership race and mm-hmm. I think uh, it's really important because also it is going to lead into uh, how things are going to pan out in next year's right. And uh, it's interesting elections. that um, the greater supporter of Chan Aram is the former leader of the PPP party um, Lee Jun Seok, who was abandoned by the party. Yeah, so like that's the... Uh, uh-huh. but yeah, if we talk about Lee Jun Seok, then it's... Who would have known if he, he... Well, a lot of people would say that like he was um, well unlucky to kind of lose his leadership because of the controversies that he had right. because some people say that he was forcefully taken out and some people say that's a, it's a conspiracy or not. So. Yeah, and so like there was also talks about like Yoo mm. Min, right? Yoo exactly. Min was like in the talks as well, but then like Yoo Min was kind of like he was pushing for for Lee Jun Suk to yeah. kind of bounce back and then the Yoon people were kind of like well if he's going to end up doing this we need to do all we can to kind of stop <laughs> uh, using me and from right. leading, you know even being part of this uh, race and so mm. it is quite interesting and I also for An Su right and, and you know An Su has still this uh, big dream of one day becoming the president of South Korea and mm-hmm. certainly he, you know being the leader of PPP would be that next step mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. kind of running for the presidency uh, in four plus years. All right, uh, let's move on here. Uh, talk about North Korea to wrap things up. Uh, on Tuesday, the younger sister, uh, or I should say the powerful younger sister mm-hmm. of North Korean leader Kim Yo-jung uh, issued a stern warning that her country is prepared to take a rapid and overwhelming action against the United States and South Korea. Uh, this is a day after the U.S. flew a bomber capable of carrying nuclear weapons. Uh, Chiang, tell us more about this. Sure. Now, as a part of the recent joint military exercise, the U.S. and South Korea deployed a B-52 bomber, uh, uh, which uh, is capable of carrying nuclear weapons, over the Korean Peninsula and has sparked reactions from North Korea. Now, Kim Yo-jong warned that the country is always prepared to take appropriate and overwhelming action against the U.S. and South Korea's military drills, which it sees as a rehearsal for invasion. Now, North Korea's foreign ministry also released a statement calling the B-52 bomber deployment a reckless provocation that pushes, pushes the situation on the peninsula deeper into the bottomless quagmire. Now, the statement also added that there is no guarantee that there will be uh, violent, no violent physical conflict if the U.S.-South Korean military provocations continue. Now, Kim Yo-jong didn't provide details, but she criticized the restless military moves by the U.S. and South Korea, saying that they provide North Korea with conditions for being forced to take action. Yeah, basically, I think what also uh, Kim Yo-jong was saying that, I mean, because it's 
highly likely when the the freedom shield uh, exercises uh, take place mm -hmm. with the uh, South Korea and the United States, that there's going to be some kind of missile provocation from the north, right? And so Kim Yo-jong came out saying that, look, listen, all these missile tests that we're conducting, it's under our jurisdiction, it's in our territory. And if, let's say, uh, they fire a missile and it's intercepted by the United States or South Korea mm -hmm. uh, as part of their drill or something, that is an act of war. Mm -hmm. And so then they're saying that then war is on. And there's never been a case where during a North Korean missile test that any of them you know, intercepted it. So I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're always going to see this kind of rhetoric coming from Kim Yo-jong and uh, not Kim Jong-un himself. Nevertheless, guys, I just want to thank you so much today. <laughs> our, our soldiers of Korea now uh, coming to our program despite their uh, not being at their 100% uh, health-wise. Thank you very much for your reports today. Please stay safe and get better, and uh, we'll you. see you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.